The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. <laughs> so, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but anyway, yeah, so let's get right into the, this morning. So um, let's start out with a scripture reading here. Now, I don't have this all memorized, so I'm going to read it with you. Here we go. John 14, 15 through 24. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is Jesus talking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in uh, me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, uh, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Lord God, we uh, thank you for your word. Um, man, it is just so powerful, God. It is a dynamite power that you left with us, and it is mind-blowing. You're so, so good, God. Um, and without you and your word, Lord, we, we do not have life. So we love you, Jesus. And because we love you, Jesus, we long to keep your word. Lord God, I ask you to completely ruin everything I plan to say up here and replace it with you. Please, Lord, brighten my mind and tongue because you want to speak, Lord God. And all you need is a willing vessel, Lord, so I'm willing. Please, Lord, speak to your people this morning. Your church loves you and you love your church. So, Lord, please meet with us today and change us for what you desire. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Sometimes we're trying to get somewhere in our walk with Christ. And um, it's, uh, it's very difficult to get there um, because we know where we want to be, right? And we know where we're at. And we want to be at the place that Jesus has intended for us to be. Like, we want to be blessed. We want to be mighty. We want to be all those things. But we have a lot of difficulty making it from here to there. All right? So, for instance, this week, um, uh, we went to Arizona. You saw we were at Montezuma's Castle. Um, and it's a castle built into the side of a limestone cliff. Very cool, about 1,000 years old. And, um, uh, you know, when we first got to Arizona, we didn't really know exactly where to go. So what did we do? We stopped by uh, one of those information desks, like a visitor center information desk. And we said to the lady, we said, you know, ma'am, what uh, do you have around here? Where should we go? Uh, how should we spend our time here in Arizona? She goes, watch this. She goes, let me show you a map. She puts out a map. She goes, oh, here's a bunch of things you can do to blah, 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 blah. We go, okay, that's really cool. Um, what happens if we don't want to just walk around this area? She goes, 
let me, I have a map for you, right? And then, oh, okay, very cool, very cool. And then, uh, you know, she, uh, we go, well, what about, and then she goes, oh, I have a map for you. And then she goes, oh, we have a map for you. And map after map after map. Uh, by, after a while, I asked her if she had a map to help tell the maps apart uh, because there's so many maps. Um, and then I asked her at the end, um, I said, uh, I opened it up, and I asked her, where is the little you are here? And, um, and she said, well, these don't have you are here's on them because they're not GPS enabled. And so, uh, very surprising, I thought all of the paper maps were GPS enabled with a little you are here thing on them. Uh, and this is actually a real conversation. I am the reason you're not supposed to talk to strangers. So anyway, so we're here at this place. She gives us all these maps. Now maps only matter, uh, only help you if you know two things. You need to know where you are and you need to know where you're going. Otherwise, they don't help you. So for instance, if you're in New York City and you have already seen this, it's popped up a couple times, um, you'll have this little thing. And it'll say, you are here. Okay. Now, if I want to get uptown, I got to catch maybe the N line, the yellow line. Do I want to take the N or the R? I don't know. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And so what you do is you figure out how you're going to get there because you know where you want to go and you know where you're at. Okay. Um, and this is important. You need to know both of these things. So today, uh, we're going to talk a lot about where we can go, where we're at, and specifically how to get there. All right. If you're struggling with that. All right, so first of all, I want to talk about where you want to go. So here's a couple things I thought would be very uh, good for where you want to go. And these are all based off the scriptures, right? You want to be fearless, Psalms 112, right? You want to be uh, blessed all throughout the scriptures. You want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, right? Uh, you want to be righteous. You want to be content, right? Um, earlier, Marty mentioned, um, she said, uh, Philippians 4.11, which is, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, but she also uh, kind of worked in there a little bit of 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, uh, which is, I have learned um, godliness with contentment is a great gain, right? And so that's what she was talking about, as well with my soul, no matter what the situation, right? So you want to be content, you want to be thankful, you want to be peaceful, you want to be godly. Um, all these things, these are all based on scripture. I kind of ran around, I made this based on scriptures, and what people want to be. They want to be self-controlled. They want to be polite. They want to be loved. They want to be wise. They want to be forgiving, etc., etc., etc. But sometimes that's not what our lives look like. Now, we can point to people and say that's what their lives look like. I can say, oh, you know, there's Billy Graham, right? Great preacher, mighty man of God. He's done incredible things, blah, 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 blah. He is where I want to get, right? Or you have that older, wiser guy down the street. He is where I want to get, right? Or you look at some pastor and you're like, yeah, that pastor, that's where I want to get. But often, we are not exactly there. We want to get there, and we're somewhere else and we're struggling, just like in the game, to get there. So let me uh, show some things um, that might say where a Christian is. This is not a worldly, unsaved, like all that kind of stuff person. This is a Christian where you might be. You might be worried all the time. You might be anxious about things, right? Uh, you might be spreading discord. You don't mean to, but you find yourself gossiping every once in a while. You know, Lord bless your heart. But let me talk about all the things I don't like about her, right? Um, you might be selfish, right? Uh, envious. Um, you might speak blessings, but also speak cursings. The Bible says you can't speak both of those, right? So if you're, even if you're speaking blessings, if you're speaking cursings, no bueno. All right? So then you might be proud or angry. You might be sexually immoral. You might let your cell phone on in church. You might um, <laughs> have fits of rage. You might feel condemned by the pastor who calls you out for having your church on a church or your phone on a church. You might be, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? You can go through this list. Again, these are all based on scripture. And you say, okay, 
That's where a person might be. Now, here's the thing. You're probably not that person. You're probably not high all the time. You're probably not drunk all the time. You probably are not condemned all the time or angry or, or distracted or discouraged or whatever. But you're probably somewhere in the middle. All right? So what I want to do is I want to talk about how you can get from here to there. All right? So uh, I'm going to jump right into it because it'll give me more time to talk at the end or let you guys out early. Um, and that goes to our first point, which is you've got to know the word. So in our society, um, our current society, at least my, a lot of my friends here in Los Angeles, they believe that the word is not really that important. So they believe, look, the spirit, very important, right? Maybe even fellowship, very important. Not so much in, into the word of God. And, and here's what I mean, is you'll talk to people and they'll say things that are completely anti the word of God, but they'll say, but the Spirit said it. And Christy said this one time. She said, the Spirit only ever builds on the Word of God. It never trumps the Word of God. It wouldn't trump the Word of God because uh, right in the beginning of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word came down and made his dwelling among us, and he was Jesus, right? Okay, so Jesus is the Word of God. The Spirit is the Spirit of God, and they're all connected. There's no real difference. So there's no time that the Spirit would disagree with the Word because they're both God, right? And so what happens is, is you have a lot of people who are very like, spiritually, like, like they want to run worship nights and they want to pray a lot and this and that, but they have no regard for the Word of God, which is kind of strange. I mean, so let's go back to our first slide here, right? And... It is. I highlighted all this stuff in red. That's very important here. Jesus says this. He goes, you say you love me? How about this? If you love me, you keep my commands. Whoever keeps my command or has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. And this is not just something Jesus says here. He says it in Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 46, where he says, uh, why do you say you love me? if you don't do what I say, right? Moses says it in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 28, verse 13, where he says, I will make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, if you heed the commands that I've commanded you this day and are faithful to observe and to do them, right? It is all the word of God. Jesus says it over and over. Look, you can't, you, you can't separate it, right? You can't say, here's Jesus and here's the word of God. You, it, it is all 100% uh, the Word of God. But again, uh, in our current society, you'll see a lot of people who are trying to take the Word of God, kind of put it to the side, and follow wherever their emotions lead. Emotions are great. God works through emotions, right? He calls out to people. But he will never trump the Word of God. So here's the thing. Okay, great. I get that, Joey. Like, the Word of God is awesome. But, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. And I don't, you know, every time I start the, the Bible, you know, I do the year-long Bible, and I fail, right? I get like a week into it, and then I, you know, I stop reading it because life is just busy and stuff like that, right? I mean, I, a pastor one time that said, Genesis is the most read book in the Bible, <laughs> because everybody starts at Genesis and doesn't get to the second book, right? Um, and so uh, a lot of people, they're like, look, I want that. I have a desire to draw closer to God. I see the there, 
And I know I'm somewhere along the line of here. I don't really know the word that well. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have within you, or at least a reason for the hope that you have within you. depends on which uh, version you're reading. Um, and do this with gentleness and respect. So you always have to know where you're going. If you're having trouble working the Word of God into your daily life, let me give you a couple uh, suggestions. Uh, so number one, uh, I used to work out. Now I know you can't tell. But I used to work out. There was a time in my life. And when I used to work out, I had to make sure that I could make it to the gym every day. Because if I didn't make it to the gym to the workout, I just wouldn't work out, right? And so here's what I did. I made sure that my route home from work was work, gym, home. We never changed. I never went from home, uh, work to home. I always made sure that work, gym, home. So any day that I was scheduled for work, it would go work, gym, home. And I was usually scheduled about five days a week. I was working a full-time job. So I knew I had to work. If I said, oh, fine time to work out, I would never work out, right? That's the same thing to do with the scriptures, which is attach it to something that you do every day. So for instance, every day you wake up. Every day you go to sleep. Every day, if you're like me, you need coffee. <laughs> every day you eat food, unless you're fasting, but most of us most days eat food every day. Right? There's things that you do every single day. Every day you do not go to the park. Every day you do not, you know, have a steak meal for dinner or whatever. Like there's some things, they're not every day, but there's certain things that you know you do every day. If nothing else, you wake up, go to sleep, and generally eat. So if you want to stay in the Word of God, a great way to do it is to attach it to something that you do every day. For instance, for me, it's the first thing I do in the mornings. I don't, uh, the Bible talks about giving your first fruits to God. Um, you could also give your best fruits to God. That, that's a lot of interpretation uh, is about the, giving your best fruits to God. But you can also give your very first fruits to God. And um, I make sure it's the first thing I do in the morning. So when I wake up, I don't check any emails until I've read the Word of God. I don't look at any text messages until I re- read the Word of God. I allow coffee while I read the Word of God. But that's the only thing I allow before the Word of God in the morning. And the result is, um, I generally never miss the Word of God. And uh, I have an app on my phone that I read the Word of God. It will let me know if I miss a day. I have a Bible reading plan that I started on the 1st of January. I have not missed a single day. So I'm like, what, 10 and a half months in, and I've never missed the Word of God in the last 10 and a half months. Because I attach it to something that I do every day. If I didn't attach it to something I did, it would be the thing I found time for. And I would never find time for it. I never have extra time. But as long as it's a thing I do before anything else, I have time for it. Same thing with you. Maybe uh, you need to put it in when you wake up in the mornings. Maybe you need to put it at the time that you go to bed. Maybe you need to attach it to a meal. Or maybe it needs to be the thing you do as soon as you go home. Or whatever it is, a great way to stay in the Word of God constantly is to attach it to the things you do. And I wouldn't say that if I haven't, and that's just this year. I'm sure I haven't missed it for other years too. So, that's one way to keep it in your life. Another great way to keep it in your life is to um, use an app because apps keep your place, right? I have one that's called the U Bible. Um, and so every morning, it's very simple. I wake up, I push the button, I push the check mark, boom, that's my reading for the day. Super simple. I mean, easiest thing in the world. Wake up because I don't want to think a lot in the morning when I have my, I'm like stumbling around with my coffee, right? Up, Bible app, on, done, right? So the Word of God is worked into your daily life. And then as it works into your daily life, uh, you have it as a constant uh, building block for what you're doing. So number one is you've got to have the Word of God. Um, 
Martin Luther said it like this. He said, sola scriptura, right? He said, the scriptures alone. Because at the time, they were adding all this other stuff to the scriptures. And so he made, you know, the thesis and put it on the wall and all that kind of stuff. And so he was saying, look, the scriptures alone. So when you wake up in the morning, I think a great addition would be Jesus calling. I think a great addition would be, you know, uh, his utmost for my highest or the prayer of Jabez. But that does not replace the word of God. The word of God has got to be in your life. Those are great assistance to the word of God, but they're not the word of God. All right, so number one, if you're finding yourself on the here to their path, you've got to work the word of God into your life. All right, now here's a litmus test. And this is where uh, I will probably offend some people um, because I'm going to ask you three questions to see kind of, because you're probably like, I know the word. I don't need to like read it more. I'm, I'm good. Like I spend my time with Jesus. Like I pray a lot. I get like a, a verse in a day, things like that. All right, so here's a litmus test. I'm going to ask you three uh, questions about the Word of God, and please don't get mad at me. All right, so here we go. Question number one. Uh, I'm sorry, this is the rules. If you agree with it, now keep this to yourself. I don't want people yelling out answers and then being embarrassed that they're wrong. Okay, so please, please do this in your mind. Okay, Uh, if you agree with the following statements. All right, do you agree with this statement? We are all the children of God. Don't say it out loud. Do you agree with this statement? No one, except for Jesus, is perfect. So nobody in this room is perfect. Do you agree with this statement? It is wrong to judge others. All right, here we go. Don't get mad at me. If you agreed with any of these statements, you are dead wrong. Every one of those is popular in our culture, but is completely not backed up by scripture. Now I will address these, so please don't be like, what? <laughs> like, like, what about, the, what about what Jesus says? He says, don't judge others. Okay, I get it, I get it. We're going to address that. <laughs> but um, now, in your mind, did, uh, and don't raise your hand, or, but ask yourself, did I know that? Do I think that Scripture says these things? That's a good question to ask yourself. That's a litmus test of how well you know the Word of God. All right? If, if that's the case, you need to read the Word of God more. <laughs> all right, so moving on to the second point. And you need to know who you are, and you need to know who Jesus is, all right? So uh, here's the thing. The devil generally works in a couple of different ways. He works with distraction and discouragement. Those are two, the big two ones he uses all the time, okay? So number one, distraction. All right, I know a lot of people that did this. You can, I'm sure you do too. They're just a person. They're called to serve the kingdom of God. They have a calling on their life. But first, there's a job. I've been really trying to get, I just nailed the job. I, I, let me just go take care of the job first, right? Years go by in the job. But, some, okay, I'm gonna, but, but someday, I'm going to do that thing for Jesus. But then he oh, meet that girl. Woo! Or that guy. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, let me just work, you know, blah, blah, oh, let me just get married first, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, you have a kid. Well, I can't do that thing I was planning on doing for God now. So as life goes on, distraction has kept you from what God has called you to do. Very sad because... There's this great calling on your life. Psalms 139, like he has this whole plan. We talked about this just one time. Uh, God has this plan he made for you. Before any of your days came to be, all of them were written out in his book according to uh, Psalms 139, verse 16, right? He is desirous for this incredible life. He knows the plans he has for you, declares the Lord, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of us give up because we get distracted with simple things, like like this, this, this job over here. Or, well, I really wanted to, you know, do this. I mean, so we get distracted. Another way is discouragement. Uh, some people are very called to do amazing things for God. Now, a good friend that I love very much, um, I sang at his funeral. I carried his casket. 
good friend. Uh, this guy was going to Bible college. He was called to be a pastor, right? He, he knew that. He told me that all the time. He went to Bible college. He came back from Bible college and committed suicide. And he committed suicide because he, he just didn't think he was doing good enough at it. It's terrible. It's very sad, right? Now, he was discouraged. The devil took these men of God, whether you're the one getting distracted or somebody else who's getting discouraged, and you can't do that. Now, you're not you? Really? Uh, let me just remind you of the things that you did when you were a kid. Let me remind you of those things you tried in college. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to stand up in front of people and say, follow what I say. Yeah, hypocrite. You can't do that. No, no. That's, that's what you'll get hit with. So you've got to know who you are. Now, let me go back to the three questions. Are we all the children of God? According to the Bible, we're not. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, it will say, he is the rock. All of his work, uh, all of his ways are perfect. All of his work is perfect. There you go. All of his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. But they are not his children. They are corrupt generation. Right? That's actually Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 5. I just wanted to lead into it so you can see where we're kind of going with this. Um, and then you can continue on and talk about how that's not their God, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So specifically, there's parts where the Bible says, yeah, these people are not God's children. Right? Why would, it wouldn't make any sense, you know, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Children of God. Well, but we're all the children of God, so that doesn't mean anything. Why should I be a peacemaker? Yeah, that's a reward. You're going to be called the children of God all throughout the Bible. Jesus talks about it. He says, he says I'm going to separate uh, you know, the wheat from the chaff. I'm going to separate the goats from the sheep. I'm going to separate, separate, separate. If you go through the book of Proverbs, right, uh, then you have um, all constantly, you know, these are the wicked and these are the righteous. This happens to the wicked, but this happens to the righteous. You go through, I quoted a little bit from Deuteronomy earlier, you have Moses standing up and saying, just so you know, this is all that's going to happen to you if you walk a good life. This is all that's going to happen to you if you are not his children right? But what about all these things we hear? You know, they walk around in the hunchback of Notre Dame and, you know, I thought we all were children of God, right? Um, and so we have the, the, aren't we all the children of God? Not according to the Bible. Now, we are loved by God. God desires that all of us should be saved, right? And none should come, should come to, uh, uh, all should come to everlasting life. None should go to judgment, right? He desires that. He will leave the 99 to go seeking after the one. We sang that earlier, right? He will fight for you. Uh, David said, who is this king of glory who pursues me with his love, right? He will fight for you till your dying day. He will come after you. If you decide you're going to walk away from the flock, you will never have a day where God's not doing something to get you back. He loves you with such an amazing, passionate love. However, if you never come back to the flock, you are not part of the flock. You're just not one of his children, right? And the Bible is very clear on the fact that some people are God's children and some people aren't, all right? So number one, you, if you are here today and you have decided that God is yours and you're his, right? You want to be saved. You confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You are saved. You are children of God or a child of God, right? Which opens up this huge amount of blessings to you, right? You delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. You know, you seek first his kingdom and all things are added unto you. Uh, you, I mean, you can keep on going. It's just these amazing blessings that pour, poured out on you if you are the child 
of God. And if you are the child of God, and you understand who you are, and you understand who he is, he is Lord. Lord means commander, right? He sits on the throne of your heart, so your decision, his decision. Who's Lord, right? God says uh, earlier, um, uh, Isaac was talking about, you know, Malachi 3.10, where he says that God will pour on you the, uh, the blessings of heaven if you give tithes, right? All right, so tithing, right? Uh, we talk about this, at least I talk about this a lot. Um, tithing, not tithing. You have to make a choice. It's your, God will not force you to do something, right? But who sits on the throne of your heart? Who's the Lord? If he says tithe and you say don't, who's the driver? It's either God or you, right? You can't, you can't both be Lord at the same time. So you've got to know who you are and know who he is. But if you know who he is and you know who you are and these attacks come at you from the side, right? You're not worth it. You can't do it. Everything that you've done in the past is going to destroy you then you have the ammunition to take down the enemy, right? And a lot of times he will use against you past sins. Um, I've been talking to multiple people, and a lot of them are like, no, we are just all sinners all the time, right? This goes into the next point. Is anybody perfect, right? Is anybody in this crowd right now perfect? I'm going to tell you yes, and then I'm going to tell you why. Um, perfect does not mean perfect looking, right? Uh, it says in Isaiah that, um, uh, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Talking about Jesus. Okay, Jesus wasn't good looking, so, but how is he perfect? We're talking about his actions. Okay, so we'll just set the stage right there. We're talking about actions. Good. So let's say we're really focused on Romans 3.23. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Or maybe Ecclesiastes 7.22, I think, where it says that um, there is none righteous, no, not even one right? And a lot of us point to that. You know, I'm the chief of sinners. Okay, good. So that's a good starting place, and that's the truth, because sin is missing the mark. We did this a couple uh, times ago. I was up here, and I had, uh, I was holding a, a dartboard, and Isaac was throwing darts at me. It was dangerous, and uh, he was hitting the dartboard, praise God, and um, like not my knees or anything, and, uh, and, and we were talking about what does it mean? Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, God says you should be perfect even as my heavenly Father is perfect. Well, God, if nobody's perfect, how can you expect me to be perfect? Well, perfect means you're aiming for the dead center of the goal, right? So you are working on living a life that is completely pleasing to God. Now, we stumble. We don't nail the bullseye. But that doesn't mean the game is over because there's tons of verses all over that talk, to, talk about what to do when you miss the bullseye. And it goes like this. How about 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, where he says, um, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not just like some unrighteousness, not like, oh, you're better. No, all unrighteousness, right? To cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In Isaiah, uh, it talks about, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, our sins make, a, you know, are as scarlet, but he will make them as white as snow. They're like crimson, but he makes them as white as wool, right? As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he cast your sins from you, right? So not north to south, meaning, you know, that's finite. You can go all the way north. You can go all the way south. But if you go west, right? Here, I, I illustrate this a little bit. Here we go. If you were to go west, from, you know, we're here in North America. You're west. You circle around, you'd end up like Japan. Okay, keep going west. That'd have been like China. Keep going west, a bunch of places I can't pronounce. Uh, keep going west, then you're going to end up back in the ocean, and then you're going to end up at the east coast, and then you're going to travel all the way back. You're going to end up back where you started. And guess what? You can keep going west. There is an, in, an, an, on a circle of the earth, west is infinite. 
East is infinite. You don't get to the end. How far has he cast your sins from you? As far as the end of the East is from the end of the West. That means infinitely. He has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if you've walked and you sinned, stumbled, it's not over, people. It's so simple. You simply say, hey, I did wrong. I'm so sorry. Boom, done. Guess what you are now? You're perfect again. You are right back there. In fact, that's what Paul says. He goes, you guys are getting it all wrong. He says, look, you're dead to sin. You don't still have it all over you. It's still part of your life. You're dead to it. So how can it be part of your life anymore, right? So, (laughs) thank you. Um, So I just want you to understand, because this is the one that the devil uses all the time. He says, you can't do it. You're not worth it. You're not good enough. Distract, 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 discourage, 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 right? And Jesus says, uh, wait, hold on a second. I say your sins as far as the east of the west. I say that you're as white as snow. I say that you're as white as wool. I say that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is what I say, right? So you have to decide who you're following, the words of God, or that whisper of the devil. So you've got to know who you are. So, boom, okay. We're studying the word. We're in it every day. I know who I am. So this word is for me, right? And every day, it never, I mean, the word of God is awesome. And you just keep on reading it through and through and through, and you'll keep on taking notes. And here's the great thing about the word of God is that as you go through the word of God, you'll keep on, it'll challenge you. You'll read blah, 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 what, what? Oh, I didn't know that. Really interesting. Let me highlight that. Let me take a note on that, et cetera, et cetera. Let me come back to that. Let me chew on it, right? And, and so, and then you go to the end of the Bible. Man, you chewed it a lot. And you go back to the beginning and you do it again. Wow, look at that. I never realized that the first time, right? I've read the Bible every year since I was a teenager, right? Um, and I've probably gone through it, I don't know, 20 times by now. And so, but it's still every single day, I'm taking tons of notes because the Bible is so powerful right? It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through bones and marrow. It's, it's an awesome book that continually, continually, continually teaches you. And as you are taught these things, if you apply them to your life, you get closer and closer and closer to Jesus and the way he made you and the way he wants you to be. And that takes us to our next point, is that you need to apply the word in your life, all right? So reading the word, stuttering the word, stuttering, <laughs> studying the word, and uh, we're getting it down. We know that it's for us. We're getting these distractions and discouragements. We're pushing them to the side, right? Now, what do we do with this word? We apply it, okay? Now, a great way to start is to go to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, uh, verses, I think it's like 10 through 17. But really, like 12 through 14 is really some of the potent stuff. And it goes like this. It goes, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay? So, you, you're, look, you're not in a fight against any of our presidents, Okay? You're not in a fight against the neighbor down the street who won't turn his stuff down. You're not in a fight against these people. This is flesh and blood. We're not, we don't face flesh and blood. But we wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Okay? We wrestle against the enemy. Okay? So just be clear on that. Um, so what do you do? You put on the full armor of God so that when you... Uh, may take your stand. And when you are, have done all this, to stand, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm quoting uh, chapter 6, and this is, I think, verse 12. All right? So it goes on to talk about the armor of God. And we've talked a lot about this with the kids on Fridays for the last, like, two months, so they should be able to quote this with me. All right? So you put on the belt of truth, right? You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You put on the, uh, um, uh, your feet are shod with the preparedness that comes from the gospel of peace, right? You take up the shield of faith, 
um, and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Okay, let's and rewind that. Okay, so let's talk about this. A belt in your armor. So we have this Roman armor, okay? And Roman armor um, is made up of some key pieces, right? And this is what Paul was talking about. Hey, Paul's like, oh, I got these, like, these, these top things I want to tell them. How do I do this? I know what I'll do. I'll reference it to this thing everybody knows, which is Roman armor, okay? So they have their belt, the belt of truth. Now, what, what does a belt do when you're uh, in the army? Hold your sword. Thank you very much. So hold your sword, okay? Now, if you jump to the end, the sword is the word of God. So why is truth important when referencing the word of God? Are you kidding me? If you don't believe the word of God is true, what can it ever do in your life? The Barnum, uh, Barnum Research or whatever did a, or Barna, I can't, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. They did a, re, um, like a study. And um, uh, you might want to look this up because I'm quoting this off of memory. Um, but they interviewed pastors all over the nation. They said 60% of pastors, pastors, do not really believe the Bible is true. This is them saying it. They believe that it's, it's like, it's inspiring, but it can't possibly be true because what about that evolution thing? Like that can't, the Bible can't be true then. Right? Now, we've talked about this in the past as well. I gave you literally a thousand PhD doctor's signatures um, talking about how that is inaccurate. <laughs> but look, that's what people will say. They'll say, well, I believe in this. Therefore, the Bible, it's subject to that. Right? So, or I believe in this kind of love. So, look, we can sleep with anybody we want at any time of our lives. Right? So it's all subject to that. It doesn't matter what the Bible says, right? I know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, and it goes through a whole bunch of people. I don't believe that. This is the people, this is, this is the pastors of America. Uh, 60% of pastors, if I'm remembering the stats correct. 60%. They don't believe the word of God is true. How in the world, when they get attacked by the enemy, how do they defend themselves? With, like, hip-hop music? You know what I mean? Like, like, are they jogging around the block? Like, how do you defend yourself against a demonic attack without the word of God? And how can you possibly use the word of God if you don't think it's even true? And this is so many pastors in our country. All right, so number one, the belt of truth. Like, truth is super important, all right? And number two, we have the breastplate of righteousness. Now, again, I went over this with the kids. Um, and that is, uh, if you're going to wear a breastplate and uh, somebody shoots at you, the whole point of the breastplate is to stop things from hitting you in the chest. If you get hit in the kidney, you're going to bleed out eventually. But if you get to the doctor, you can live with one kidney. A lot of people give away their kidneys in awesome acts of charity. If you get hit in the lung, you also, you can be okay. I know a lot of people whose lungs have collapsed. A single lung has collapsed, and they were totally fine on one, right? Until they made it to the hospital and they figured it all out, right? So you can live on an awful lot of stuff. But the only place really that you are done if you get hit is right there in the heart. So if if, if nothing else, this breastplate is protecting your heart. So it's a breastplate of righteousness. How does righteousness protect your heart? Are you kidding me? Righteousness protects your heart all the time. Righteousness is right standing with God. If you're standing in the right spot where God tells you to stand, that's righteousness, okay? Now, if you're standing with righteousness, how is that going to protect your heart? God tells you all throughout the word how how to protect your heart, all right? How about 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13? right? Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not envious, uh, does not keep record of the wrong, doesn't, uh, you know, delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres, it never fails, right? These are things about love. That's, that's about your heart, right? Boom. He's like, this is your heart. Here's the right standing of your heart. If you're rude to the person you say you love, you're not in right standing, 
If you are jealous of people, yeah, just check your heart. You're not in right standing, right? Uh, if you are envious and keeping records of wrong, I just, okay, sure, let me just write that down in the book, right? Hey, well, I remember, oh, you, but you said two weeks ago you were going to do this. Guess what? Record of wrong. God's saying, uh, that's not righteousness, but you put my righteousness on, and I'm going to protect your heart because now you're going to start putting those things to the side, right? And love covers a multitude of sins. And it's going to be a totally different life for you. So I'm going to keep moving forward. There's a lot of pieces of armor. <laughs> all right. How about the preparedness that comes from the gospel of peace? All right. So look, the gospel of peace. This book is awesome. We talked about this in the beginning, right? So you have this gospel of peace, and it tells you that there is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained. Jesus talks more about hell than he does about heaven. Okay, look it up. So uh, there, there's definitely a hell that you don't want people going to, right? That should get you moving, right? The preparedness that comes from the gospel of peace. I'm prepared to go out there and do something about it. I've read this book. I know that there's peace and love and joy on the other side of knowing Jesus. But I know without Jesus, there is hurt and suicide and death and all these things. So I've read this gospel of peace. Look, I, yeah, I'm going to go after the right side of it, right? It makes me prepared. I want to go out there and get something out of this, all right? Okay, so now we have uh, faith. So here comes the devil. <sighs> and uh, he's shooting at you, uh, let's say, discouragement. Hey, guess what? That thing that happened, lost your job, bye. <clears throat> you pick up your shield. And you're like, hey, guess what? My faith says that all things work together for good for all those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Hey, what? Right, he pulls out, he pulls out distraction. He's like, shh. And he's like, check out that girl jogging down the street. Eh? Guess what? My word says uh, that Job said he made a covenant with his eyes that he will not look um, lustily upon a woman, right? Okay, so he keeps on, boom, right? And this is, this is, he's shooting at you and you're just like, bang, bang, bang. Hey, what's up? Bang, like, because he can't get you because shield of faith, right? Right, this word, and it doesn't come without point number one. Point number one is you got to know the word. If you don't know the word, you can't use the word, right? Okay, so it's blocking you. Okay, so then we have the helmet of salvation. Point number two, look, you've got to know that you are saved. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know that God pulled you out of the mire, and he saved you, and he washed you, and cleansed you. That needs to be a part of your life, right? Peter said to Jesus, Jesus comes out to wash his feet, right? And Peter's like, you can't, that, that's the worst part of me. You can't cleanse the worst part of me. Jesus said, if I don't cl- cleanse the worst parts of you, you're not mine, right? Right, you've got to know who you are, and you've got to know who God is so he can come in and cleanse those parts of you. And then if somebody says, remind you of who you were, you can use all of the uh, stuff to defend yourself, which brings us to the next one, which is the sword of the Spirit, and that's how you defend yourself, right? It's the Word of God. We're using it with faith. We blocked with faith. It's the only one of the uh, pieces of armor which is an offensive weapon. The rest are defensive weapons, okay? So here it comes. Now, what did Jesus do? The devil comes to tempt Jesus. Jesus, you want some bread? Hey, some bread. It's good bread. And he's like, uh, no, because man doesn't live by the word of God. Uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. Um, And he's like, huh, all right, well, how about you throw yourself off of this cliff? Doesn't he say the angels are going to catch you? Yeah, but the Bible says not to test God. Hmm. Well, tell you what, bow down to me, and I'll give you everything here. And he says, uh, the Bible says that you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to worship uh, the Lord your God only, right? So I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing this to go quickly. But the point is this, is that every time the devil came against Jesus, it literally goes, 
Jesus says, it is written, and then he finishes it out. It is written, it is written, because this is your sword, right? This is it. This is how you attack back. If you don't have this sword, then you're, you're quoting, oh, you know, stitch in time saves nine. What? <laughs> right? What, what are you quoting? Like uh, some lyric you heard from like something, right? It makes no sense. You have no defense. But if you are dressed in this armor, you have this great defense, all right? So here you are, you're walking down the road. People are, uh, the devil's shooting distractions, and he's shooting discouragements at you, and you're not getting discouraged. People say things to you, and you know how, uh, you know, the reason for your hope, and when you give it, you give it with uh, gentleness and respect, right? Uh, you have a purpose in your life because you have this, these shoes leading you on. You know what's true. Somebody comes up to you and tries to tell you, yeah, there's this new theory. Yeah, we'll tell you what. I have this Bible that's been proven right for thousands of years, right? Over and over again, history, archaeology, um, science, uh, I don't know if I said genealogies, bloodlines. I mean, over and over, people try to test this word of God, and it never fails. If it did fail, we'd all know what that was. We'd all go, the Bible, except for that one chapter, right? But there, there is no that one chapter. There is no that one thing. And every time anyone said there's that one thing, well, the earth is flat. The Bible says it's round. The Bible came up winning in the end. It took us a little time to catch up, but it's always winning in the end, okay? So just so you know, this is the number one thing to build your life on, your faith, uh, your strength, your attacks, your offense, your defense. So you walk in this life, right? And because you're walking this life with Jesus, the Spirit's very comfortable with you, right? So the Spirit is a part of your life. You're worshiping, you're part of he, you know, his, uh, his walk, and he's happy with you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what happens when you have the Spirit walking with you? You start to get these fruits, they're called the fruits of the Spirit, all right? Galatians 5.22, all right? So if you don't understand how this works, there's roots and there's fruits, all right? The Bible says that he is the vine and we are the branches, all right? So on these branches is fruit. So vine, branches, this is us, fruit, okay? So uh, the fruit of being tapped in to Jesus the vine is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, all right? So you have these awesome fruits, and people look at you, and they're like, dang, I cannot stop binge-watching Netflix, and this guy's got self-control, right? I have been working my butt off at my job because I need to have more finances in the bank because I want peace. This person doesn't have any money, and they have peace. What? I'm on like 50 dating apps, and I keep getting swept to the left, and the thing is, is it doesn't give me any love, right? But this guy has love. I have been going nuts trying to be happy, right? That's like Solomon. Solomon's like, I tried everything to be happy. All these people out there, they are crazy trying to be happy, and you have joy. There's people, and they cannot wait. You see them in traffic, <laughs> my goodness, it almost turned green. Let go, you know what I mean? And like, because they're watching that light over there, which is turning yellow, and they're like, go now. And so it's like they don't have any patience. They see you, and, and you're driving. Wow, you're so patient, right? You're not yelling at anybody, right? You're kind to people. You're kind to your wife. You're kind. You're not struggling with that thing where it's like you're fighting all the time. You guys are always fighting. You're kind, right? And people see you. You have these fruits. Another good litmus test. If you're not having those fruits, you're probably somewhere on that line between here and there. You need more of the word in your life, right? The more you get close to the word, the more word in your life, the more it's going to um, result in your life being changed and transformed. And then when you have all those fruits, 
then you'll get it. You'll go, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing very well. But if you have none of those fruits, that's a good litmus test of where you are, okay? All right, so now you're this person. Everybody sees that, and they go, I want to be like that. Boom, now you're talking about what Jesus said is the way to get out to the world. He said, uh, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father. He said, you are the salt of the world. A salt that loses its saltiness, right? You have none of those fruits, you have none of that stuff, isn't good for anything, okay? Throw it down, let it be trampled underfoot. But you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anybody light a lamp and put it under a, uh, a bowl, but they put it on its lampstand, and it gives light to the whole house. Therefore, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You want to know how Jesus says to reach the world? And he tells you, you need to reach the world. That's a great commission. Go ye therefore into all the nations. Um, and yeah, I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so anyway, um, he's telling you to go out there and do it. How do you do it? You let your light shine. How do you let your light shine? It's not that hard. When you have everything the world wants, they want to know what you have. Now you're a light shining on a hill, all right? And it starts to result in other things, you know? Now you become less, you know, you're reading the Word, you're reading uh, Psalms 12, and, you know, it says that, uh, you know, the righteous will never be shaken, uh, surely they will be remembered forever. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Um, they have no fear, you know? Uh, and, and so you keep on going through these verses, and it really colors who you are as a person, all right? So to rewind, because I'm getting to the end here, time-wise, is this, because we could talk about this all day, the benefits of, of, the, of the Word of God. I mean, I could sum up this entire message in saying this, this book is awesome, read it. That's really this whole message. With a lot of like how, how to do that, best times to do it, the ways that uh, I, I tend not to miss it, and things like that, right? comes down to this, you've got to read this Word. You can't be part of the, the current generations that say, I have grace and I have the Spirit, so I don't need the Word. It's got to be a part of your daily life. Otherwise, you'll always be closer to that here section where you're always kind of like failing and struggling and you're always kind of anxious and you're having trouble and you're fearful of things and you're malcontent and you're discouraged and you want to do great things, but you're very distracted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? The word, knowing who God is and keep on pushing through and applying what he says to your life, right? That gets you all the way to this place where you are blessed and free. And you could say things like Marty said earlier, which is, I have learned to be content no matter what the circumstances, right? Or uh, like he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where he says, uh, I, um, all godliness with contentment is great gain, right? He says, we came into the world with nothing, and we're going to go out of it with nothing. Just give us food and clothing. That's all we need. We don't need cars. We don't need fame. We don't need that new job because I'm content. I don't need it, right? I have all the fruits. I have the joy. I have the peace. I have all those things completely by myself. And God will take that and he'll bless you with it because he did the same thing with Solomon. Solomon said, look, just give me wisdom. And God said, wow, great heart. Tell you what, I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you all the money you can handle. I'll give you tons of fame because God sees that you're worthy of it, right? He wants to bless you. The Bible says that he gives riches and adds no sorrow to it. All right? So read the word. Know who you are and apply that word. If nothing else, start out with uh, the armor of God and let that be something you do every single day. And as you keep on walking on the path, you're going to end up so close to where you want to be. Someday people are going to say, that's the person I've always wanted to be my entire life. And they're pointing at you, just like you'd be pointing at somebody else. The worship team can come on up here, and we're going to finish out. Um, Lord Jesus, we love you, God. Wow, your word is so awesome. You gave us this incredible, 
amazing, potent, powerful word, Lord God. And it's not the kind of thing you have to go to some Dalai Lama to get, and you don't have to beat yourself with the whips to read it. And it's not even hard to understand, Lord. You speak in simple parables, Lord God. It is so simple and so life-giving. Lord, a child can understand it. And the wisest man in the world can study it forever and not get all of it. It is the most amazing, potent, and very true book, Lord God. We thank you for who you are. We love you, Jesus. We ask that this would take uh, root in our life, Lord God, that we'd have hearts with good soil, Lord, that don't get uh, choked out by the rocks or the, or the, the, the vines or, the, or the, um, uh, the pickers or any of that kind of stuff, Lord God. But we want to have good soil, Lord God, where you can plant your word. It can grow in us, and we can be the people that you meant us to be. We love you, Jesus. We praise you and pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.